He is the director of Fear Town USA, The Slashing, Slashing the Final Beginning, and was the screenwriter for Shakespeare Shitstorm. Thank you for being here, Brandon Basham. They say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for is not for shedding. We all go a little mad sometimes. Oh, it knows I'm here. And having to get you, Barbara. Flasher Sports Show is Billy Graves. Brandon, you know what I like about your work? Yeah, I'm very <laughs> curious to hear that anybody likes anything about my work. Yeah. You guys don't give a damn. <laughs> that is, that's, yeah. When you don't have any uh, any real resources, that becomes your one, the one, the one benefit of it. Is oh, you yeah, just don't care just... anymore, yeah. <laughs> it's hand to mouth and it's yeah. i mean i love it uh, we actually have a few uh common friends i guess you could say um first off this whole thing started because i had a conversation with the director of curse of the Were deer ben johnson yeah he's an old classmate of mine from uh just a one horse town in tennessee and when i heard that he was making this film in tennessee I said, well, let's just go ahead, have a conversation with him and find out like how we can help. So between now and today and then, I've spoken to Ben Chassel about his projects, Reeves Elliott and his projects. And today I just wanted to figure out like, hey, what's going on with Brandon Basham and this new project you've got going on? So I guess just tell me about it. Um, well, we are currently working on a horror anthology. We actually, I think been kicking the idea around for a really long time for years and some of these are uh segments or things i've been working on for you know five or six years i've had i wrote years ago and never had anything to do with them um we decided i decided to put them all into one anthology take all the scripts i'm never going to be able to produce probably and turn them into shorts and put them into one anthology of five stories and it was but i think we officially started kind of pre-production almost a year ago exactly today um we started filming in i think march um, we filmed the first segment over from March into June, and then we took most of the summer off because summer just sucks to film and everybody's out of town. Scheduling, when you we don't have money and everybody's kind of doing it as favors, summer's really hard to film. So we just took things off. We just started back like two weeks ago, hitting it pretty hard. Um, but it's a, a horror antho- horror comedy anthology um, we're doing with Troma, uh, five shorts. And it's, like I said, it's about a lot of my uh, stuff I was never going to get to do. So, you know, I'll just do it myself and we'll do it for whatever we can scrape together. And uh, it's the idea is this is stuff that nobody else ever signed. I'm shocked enough this many people have signed off to be part of this and to help with this. Some of the stuff that we're doing, we managed to shock at least three or four people on the crew uh, every time we go out. Well, you said something about summer being difficult to film. Is is that well, why is that other than the heat? Is it something to do with like maybe your your makeup and keeping continuity and 
in scene to scene? Not so. I mean, that becomes an issue. I mean, it is just in general miserable to shoot when it's hot out and uh, some of the locations we have, but it's more just people availability. People are taking vacations at different times or traveling and trying to coordinate everybody. And you can't really tell, ask, get people to change big plans whenever we're not paying because everybody's it's just a, everybody's doing this as favors. I mean, I, nobody's making any money on this. It's just like a, a labor of love. Um, and honestly, after doing our first segment, which was our, our most complicated segment was what we did first. And I think we, I needed, I, I, in particular, other people might not have, I needed a break because I was feeling a little burned out. And now we started back, I'm feeling great. But if we would have kept powering through just the dog days of August, I would have been, it, it would have been lower quality. I would have been wiped out. I would have been grumpy. Um, I hate the summer anyway. Um, fall is my time of year. As soon as the weather turns, as soon as Same. Halloween season starts, I feel like I feel like a new person. Like I felt like when we were on set this weekend, it was a long shoot, but I felt great the whole time. It's like the weather cooled down a little bit. You, you know, again, Halloween's right around the corner, but I felt like a million bucks. Whereas the last couple of days we shot in like June, the shoots were going fine. Nothing was wrong. I was just kind of irritable, like just the weather sucks and you know and, and it was a little bit harder for hey can everybody do uh, this saturday like oh, i'm out of town for this and like one per- it's always like one person could we'd have nine out of ten could do it and it's like ah it's just let's just let's just take a break let's all go reset our brains and come back and and hit hard in the fall before winter now we gotta try to beat winter that's the now now, now that's the next challenge yeah. getting too cold to do anything winter is coming well you know august is getting hotter yeah you know as we go so when spooky september hits it's kind of like okay this is what we can work with yeah and now october is upon us so yeah yeah. and before you know it man i I don't know how things are there in you're in new york right new york yeah probably gets colder a little bit earlier than it does here in tennessee a little bit but i mean it's unless something weird happens you can manage the cold through december it's still not too bad it's it's really? right after January is when it's like, yeah, I don't want to. It's I think also just New York in fall and it, uh, New York from September to New Year's is the greatest place in the world. It's just great. Energy is great. The weather's perfect. But once you get like halfway through January and then February and March suck and they're they're, they're just as miserable as August, just in the other direction. Really yeah. had no idea. So like baseball weather is perfect. Yes. In New York. You know, now that I think about it, I don't hear about Yankees games and Mets games uh, just having egregious bad weather. Yeah. They don't get rained out that much. No. You go to like Detroit and like to Cubs games and they're ridiculously good. Yeah. First of all, Chicago has no business not having a dome. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chicago, yeah, Chicago's a nightmare when it gets cold, but New York is not. It, it's you get deep in the winter before it becomes bad. It's it, it's just exciting too. The city has a good energy when it first turns cold. It's just once the snow comes down and then every and then it melts and there's just shit everywhere. That's when it kind of it's just bad mood. Oh no doubt, man, no doubt. But you know, listen, I want to talk about your film yes. as much as we can because you know we're in the middle of filming right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How much of this thing you got done? five segments we've completed fully completed one segment which is our longest segment it's, it's almost half an hour most of the other segments are about 15 minutes um it, it's the biggest one the most expensive thing we've done although the as we go as i'm filming i start i'm, I'm making each one we film bigger as we go so our, our second segment that we're in the middle of filming now is like the second most complicated and we were we keep expanding it because we're you know 
we luck into like we lucked into a good location. We found this abandoned church we could film in. So like, all right, got an abandoned church. Let's blow it out. What we were planning on doing with it's you know maximize what we got. Let's be more ambitious. So we are. Uh, I would say we're less than half done. Um, we finished our second segment. We're pretty deep into. We're filming again Sunday. When that's done, those two segments probably form half the movie, or maybe a little over half, because the other three segments are going to be much shorter. Is this one of those anthologies that kind of has that anchor segment? And Not yet. The others? Not no? yet. Okay. But, well, the thing that's one of the reasons it took us a while. I've been kicking around the idea for it for a couple of years because we couldn't figure out what's the setting, what's the thing that ties it together. And finally, I'm like, I don't care. I just want to make the five best shorts we can. And when we get them all done, maybe we think of a way to connect them. If not, I'm fine with just music and graphics. I think people get too caught up in whenever you talk anthology, too caught up with what's the story, who's the, what's the thing ties them together. And I think if you do that, sometimes you start trying to make your shorts fit the wraparound. Mm-hmm. And the shorts should be the best. That's why I mean, me and my friend Minky watched a ton of preparers watched every anthology we could find. Tubi's got nine. I didn't realize how many god-awful, terrible horror anthologies are out there. There's a million of them. And most of them are terrible, I think, mostly because of that. It's like this just you're trying to fit this theme or whatever. and Forcing it together. Instead of just making the best short you can. And I would like each – in a perfect world, I want people – everybody, you know, if you 20 people see the movie, everybody's got a different favorite segment. It would be the goal. I want all of them to be equal but different. Um, I don't want it to be where it, with most anthologies, like here's one really good one, and then you're lucky if another segment is halfway decent. The others are just terrible. It's just what were some time. of the what were some of the favorites that you found? Not oh, necessarily God. on Tubi, but just in, in oh, general. God. Trying, I mean, like Creep Show is is still probably the best Creep Show and uh, the Tells from the Crypt, like uh, Tells from the Dark Side, like the old ones and the, ter- mm-hmm. the trilogy of terror. The old Amicus ones are good. Newer ones, they all run together. Oh, it's the one. It's at uh, ten minutes till midnight or nine minutes till midnight. It's spotty, but there's a couple really good ones in it. I think that's the one that's got the animated, um, all the uh, something at Elder's Hollow. It's got like a weird name like that, but it's um, stop motion animation is gorgeous. Um, it's like a fifteen minute. I think people have posted just this now. It's I think it's nine or ten minutes till midnight. Is the name of the anthology. The short is something at ender's hollow i it's, i wish i could now i'm gonna fuck up the name if you google some some uh, variation of those words you'll probably find it but it's a great stop motion one and i think there were one or two other shorts that were okay in that one which i said is pretty shocking considering how bad most of the ones that we saw were so one that i suggest to everybody when i think about anthologies and this is a, even a horror anthology um 90% of what I view is horror related yeah. thriller at best, but this was a straight up comedy. It's called the 10. And oh the- yeah. The, the state. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that one. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, it, it has everybody that you know you want to see in it, but man, tying the, the 10 commandments together and like uh, the covet thy neighbor or do not covet thy neighbor's goods or something like that. <laughs> it gets like so small. One guy, I, I can't remember what he does. Maybe he gets like a fence. The, the, the other neighbor has to get a fence. Then it gets so ridiculous that <laughs> one of them gets a cat scan machine. They do the, the cat scan machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they got to do the, the cat scan. Fantastic film. You can check that out, you know, whatever. But hey, like, listen, most of your work, has been in writing and directing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you prefer one or the other? 
Um, uh, writing for the longest time was my my main thing. That's what I did most. I, I prefer directing now, I think, because it's just newer for me. I, the reason why I started directing is I, I didn't want it. I just wanted to write let other people handle technical stuff. So many people fucked up directing or making that i like here's the script go make it and they would do such a bad job i had a few people script so bad i'm like you know i gotta learn how to do this myself i'll just put in the work because i don't have a rule i i didn't have and i probably still don't really like a, a visual mind like i was good at writing jokes and dialogue mm-hmm. trying to come up with good looking shots and stuff it was never my thing which which is why i think i like it more now it's like trying to do that trying to come up with as I, I as i get more into directing my scripts get leaner and leaner there's less and less dialogue um, but I used to love writing jokey. I'm not, I want to make a silent movie. If I cut all the dialogue out and tell us all visually, that's kind of the, the more exciting part to me now. Um, like crazy set pieces and studying, like, um, I'm still bad on a technical sense. Like I never know, like when the DPs ask, do you want this lens or this lens? Like, well, can you explain what they both are to me? Cause I do not remember it off the top of my head, which I know he explains to me every time we shoot. Uh, <laughs> but what's, what's going to be the difference between the two. I can kind of explain what I want clearly most of the time but i can't be the specifics of that that much that much uh i'm, I'm working on it but that's the stuff i i'm still don't have the real technical mind for it but i've gotten more interested in directing and less in, in the writing well that's all you can do though is continuous yeah. improvement you you yeah. don't start you know as you know scorsese you you, yeah. you start as brandon basham and that's that's the beauty of you know the continuous improvement part of it right it, yes yeah. it's, it's an evolution and by the end of it you're gonna you're going to be telling them which lenses to use, right? So hopefully, hopefully I get to that point. Probably, um, I, maybe we'll, we'll see. But directing's definitely been the thing I'm more interested in now, and and now I'm and I edit too, and I'm getting a little more. I'm also getting now where I'm more into editing than I am writing too. I'm like, let's get all this footage together. I'm got all these ideas to how to edit now. I'm, I'm working on becoming a better editor too. Well, isn't that the the dichotomy of, I guess, the joy of the art of writing? is yeah i love the writing but then i have to hand it off to somebody and risk them completely fucking up my vision yeah, yeah. which is so, why I, I probably will never have anybody direct anything that i wrote for me i or i write for hire that's different like i wrote shakespeare shitstorm for lloyd kaufman and trauma but that was I, that was that was the deal going it was like here's my script and they bought it and it's like they hired me specifically to write this movie off their notes and that was fine they can do whatever they want with it because, that was up front well else that's lloyd's movie it's not mine like i'm right. proud of it but i'm trying to make uh i'm trying to help lloyd make his movie um it's not my movie but now i don't think i could let anybody direct just one of my scripts if i like the script at all like if it's something i wrote on my own like i have i can't separate the directing and writing anymore so it's it's a one thing package. Yeah. Yeah. I like that though because again that boils down to the continuous improvement part of it, right? At the at the beginning you probably couldn't fathom writing no. <laughs> and then also directing, right? Yeah. Well, and they've become inseparable when I'm writing because I'm like, well it's got to be shot like this, it's got to look like this, it's got to be this tone or else right, the joke's go. not going to work. Or else the joke's not going to work. It's like when as I write the idea, I'm like it's got to be just like this. The timing has to be like this. It has, and if you change the timing, that ruins what I'm trying to do. It ruins the tone of it. That's why it's become kind of more and more of like, I mean, it's, I guess, a little bit of an ego trip, but it's like, I mean, I'm collaborative. I like people pitching ideas, but the core voice and theme and idea has to always be there. We don't want to lose it. And that happens a lot. I said people pitch ideas all the time, and sometimes I have to say no. Like, that's a really great idea. It just doesn't fit what we're doing, though. Um, 
And because like I know in my, I, yeah, it's got to fit this specific voice and tone that I have in my head. Um, I'm open to all people pitching ideas and we do take a lot of them, but they always have to end up fitting what we're doing. It can never conflict because I see that in movies a lot where things are totally all over the place. Like it's like, that's funny, but it doesn't fit. Like that's an okay idea. You took a bunch of good ideas and mashed them together, but they weren't on the same wavelength. That's how you get like Taika Waititi's stuff. Like the new Thor movie is just like, it's just a mess of like a bunch of ideas that are like individually. Some of these are really great ideas. They don't go together at all. This is just a mess. And I see more and more movies like that all the time where it's just, this is, did nobody think to like, did nobody have like a larger idea or does it just show up and just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks? I mean, there's, there's, it's something he said for throwing everything while see what sticks, but I still think there should be some sort of because it's wildly going from drama to like really lowbrow comedy, and not in a way that's like fun or not 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 like in a Coen Brothers way where it always makes sense. Like that's the same world. It just feels like this is just a mess that a bunch yeah. of people threw together. No, I can dig that. Um, I, I think maybe there might be a, an unfair perception from some movie snobs who might look at, you know, trauma work and say, well, it's just a a potpourri of nonsense. So like, why are they going to put that much thought into what they're doing? But no, there's a lot of thought here and there's a lot of pride at stake for the filmmakers. So that brings me to my question. You know, what is your approach to, to delegating on set? They always say, if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. But at the same time, you bring in talent for their talent, right? Yeah, um, it, it it's well, it works to get the right people, and most everybody's we're all we're all friends, and there's new people have joined us, but we always you know settle things out so I can trust people, and I have my DPs that I can trust, we work with, and like okay, they're not gonna fuck up. Um, with the actors, I solve most directing issues with actors by casting. Just don't cast somebody who I just cast people who are gonna do what they're what they. I, I cast them because I want they're, what they're gonna do. You know, I, I don't cast somebody that have to teach them how to read the part. Like, no, I cast you because you're perfect for the part. You do your thing. You know, I have Zach Amico's in our movie, and I just let Zach do his thing. If he does something that's too far, I would reel it in a little bit. But he's bringing things to the table, but I knew he was going to. And whenever he pitches ideas, I want that. That's why, or else I would have gotten somebody else. Um, you know, there's times you got to, like, say no. Or, you know, and say with Ian, Ian Fidance, the stand-up comedian, he's in our movie in a, in a part, and he's great. And I brought it. I thought he's the funniest guy. I got him in. Just let him do his thing. And we'll have to edit some out. Like he, he's, he's riffing and going and there's parts that aren't going to work, but he got, we got a lot of good stuff by letting him turn them loose. And that's part of it. You just make that the, you, I don't, I tend not to work with people. I don't know at all. Especially with casting. We always kind of, you know, I, I vet people pretty good before I bring them in because I don't do like auditions. Um, I'm not, I may, but for the most part, like I feel bad doing that. Like I don't, you know, I, I just try to like check people out, see their other work, talk to them a little bit. Can I work with this person? And can they do, can I, can I uh, get what I need out of them? You know, even if we're not, because I, plenty of times there's actors who don't necessarily get what we're doing, but that's fine as long as they can do it. And then I'll, you know, and editing will put it together. It happens a lot where we've had people do a part, do a good job, but they had no idea what they were doing. They see the finished product. They're like, oh, I had no idea. Well, or somebody like doesn't get the joke, but then we'll just go ahead and just please say it. And they say it and they see the finished product. Like, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. I didn't get that when we were on set. Um, but it, a big part of that is make sure you know people. I don't, I try not to do just a, somebody I've never met or heard of 
just come in because again, if you do auditions, sometimes you get that. I know that's somebody's a friend of a friend. They're all part of the family. Also, if you do that, people are less likely to like be dickheads because mutual friends, you know, it's stuff like that. But I like having people contribute. Um, I don't have a problem saying no. If you know, like, yeah, that's, you have a lot of good ideas. That's not one of them, or that's just not going to fit what we're doing. I I don't, I I like hearing ideas, but I also don't have a problem. So people get really frustrated with like, I'm fine with people pitching ideas. I just don't use them if I don't like them. Um, But I'm happy because we get a lot of good stuff. That's from everybody. Our, uh, our AC Dylan Rodriguez pitched a couple great ideas while we were filming um, it was last weekend. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Let's just do that. Like uh, he had some ideas for shots and like, yeah, we, I didn't have anything better. So let's do it. You know, we have a kind of a loose, loose vibe sometimes um, where we can, where we can do that. And so, some things are very specific. Other things are like, here's the basic idea. Any big ideas on how to make this better. And then we do it. You do a pretty good job of keeping on the schedule. Yeah. Um, I, we don't. <laughs> well, also what helps is, not just because I'm editing the movie, but I have edited. Every director should edit at some point so you know to get stuff they can they can be cut and to not do a bunch of bullshit you don't need. Sam's all the yeah. time we're filming. I look at the script like, you know what? I'm going to cut this in post. Let's just not shoot it. Uh, let's just not. This, we, this is unnecessary. It's funny or good or whatever, but I know, I know once we get to the final edit, this is going to get cut. So why bother? You know, and people shoot all this and people have like, our rough, our first cut was four hours long. Like, how did you have that much shit that you know you know you're not going to use that? Why did you shoot that much? Why is the Justice League movie like five hours long? Did you like why did you need to restore the cut? Why did you, were you think you were making a five hour movie to begin with? Like why would you do that? Uh, you somebody is going to ask. Yeah, somebody's going to ask for the Basham cut. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like I, I in three you. years, somebody's going to bitch and be wait a minute. Every cut is, this every, isn't what I asked for. Every cut is the Bassman cut because I'm every yeah. It's, this is exactly what I want in the movie. I wrote it, <laughs> directed it, and I'm editing these, or I've at least had a hand in the editing of other things. So of course, um, see that's my that's my first worry though. Like you're on set, you only have X amount of time yeah. before they're kicking you off. You know, everybody's having fun making art. You know, time gets away. Yeah. So, what do you say, Brandon? We take a look at a clip. And maybe you can talk me through it. Yeah, sure. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Here we go. What is it going to be? Oh, gosh. What's it's... it going to be? It's a surprise. Ah, from the from the trailer. Yeah, from this is trailer. from our first. This is our first segment, Disco Inferno. Disco theme slasher. This you John, Johnny won me Perry, over yeah. with Disco. Yeah, that Johnny is Johnny Perry. Perry, one of the no. few that I knew from, from the film. Who I sort of knew from working at Troma. And he had asked about auditioning, and I was like, I just ran him through a couple lines, like, all right, you're our guy. Will you learn this dance? And he spent about three months learning this dance. <laughs> three months? Yeah. He looks like a guy that can move naturally. Yeah. He's got, got, the, uh, got the Travolta blood in him. Oh, no doubt. And that's kind of what won me over, from airplane to Travolta. Um, you know, this is uh, my kind of scene. Yeah, like it, the only way it would have been better is dropping in Disco Inferno. That's oh uh, well, it's just because we didn't have the right. Oh story. yeah, right, <laughs> right out of you. Yeah. Ah. So yeah, that's I our opening segment. This. That's the first thing we shot was the dance scene. Um, I was so excited for it. I and I it was just like you know what, let's get whatever whatever money I could get Lloyd to give us and whatever money we scraped together, we're getting a disco floor. And there was a hunt for that disco floor for months before we finally found it. Um. 
that was the, like that's this is the biggest budget we spent. We, this is the biggest like expenditure we've had. Disco floor, disco ball. Get a couple actors, learn how to d- do the dance, and uh, let's let's do the scene with it. And we the very first thing we did was the dance. So that was starting off on a. Although our very first shot, we had a we had a fog machine, and getting ready for the very first shot of the whole movie on the dance floor, fog machine set off all the smoke alarms at the bar we were filming at. Mm-hmm. Uh, police came, and that's how we started off. Uh, but we we bounced back pretty quick uh, and got the got got our disco number down. Seems like you should have been filming that, and uh, the 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 police become part of the yeah. the film unknowingly. I don't know. I think there was potential. Well, they, they they never came in. If they would have actually come in, as our uh, producer called was calling trying to get them, they ended up like hanging out outside and resetting uh, the fire department reset something. But um, no, we would have definitely gotten footage of them uh, threatening to arrest me if we could have. <laughs> but it made for some great outtakes. Well, yeah, that that goes on the director's, uh, or I guess the director's commentary, not yeah. the director's cut. Yeah, we'll go. So for viewers, that. yes, for for viewers who want to know uh, Brandon Bassam as an artist, what would you say your calling card, or do you even have a calling card yet? Um, I mean, if you watch enough of them, it's hard to say that myself. I mean, I think there's sometimes I I've had people tell me, yeah, it's obvious this was you. Uh, yeah, this is definitely. I'm like, does this seem like me? Like, yeah, it's, nobody else is going to do this. Um. I, it's hard to say that myself of what it is. Um, I mean, I kind of know in my head what feels right or what doesn't feel right. Um, usually uh, just going a little bit further than everybody else. Um, not just like in like an offensive way, but like we went a little bit sillier than most people would go. We went a little bit darker than anybody else would go. We always just push it a little bit further past. And I, um, I think for horror comedy, because it, it's just funny because people always assume that like I'm a big horror comedy. I don't like horror comedies that much. Um, I think part of wh- how I make them is in response to other horror comedy. People bring up scary movie and stuff like that. And those, dev- which I, the first scary movie is not bad, um, but the later ones are pretty terrible. But most of them yeah. do one or two things. Either it's just all pop culture references, which we have kind of a, a rule where we never do pop culture references. Um, I'm, I'm sure we've been that once or twice. But we always try to avoid why, like we all the music we use, not just because we can't afford music, we write all of our own music that fits the movie specifically. So we don't. There is there there is no BGs in the world to bring on the damned. There's a group called the KBs that sound a lot like the BGs, but they're they're not they're not the B. They're they're our disco band. Um, That's one of the big ones. The no pop culture references, and the other thing I think is in horror comedy, it's most of the time it doesn't work as a horror movie or as a comedy. Like this is just kind of, it's just like a horror movie. Everybody's just acting kind of stupid and there's not really yeah. crafted jokes and we craft all of our jokes. Um, we definitely, I, I can't imagine anybody's going to find any of our movies actually scary. They might find them um, unsettling because we go pretty far and some, sometimes, but I don't think they're really scary, but I think the comedy always works. Um, they're well-crafted jokes. We treat it just like it's a real comedy. I think the way I've explained this, and this is probably nonsense, but it makes sense to me. We're making comedies set in a horror movie world. Like our base reality is this is what a horror movie would be. Here's all the tropes. Here's all the characters in a horror movie. But we're going to make a comedy in that world. Um, whereas I think in most movies, it's like, well, here's the real world and we're going to make a comedy. Or yeah. here's the real world, we're going to make a horror movie. This is all the rules and structures of a, of a horror movie. But now we're going to play things out comedically. Um, and comedically doesn't mean the characters do wacky shit or make faces or, you know, it's like, no, this, we build up to jokes. Cause I think horror and comedy are the same in that of you build up to, you want a response from the audience. You want to build up attention and either you get a laugh or you get a scream. 
And, you know, we go for laughs almost always. Sometimes we get a scream just from discomfort because we've, again, we definitely have some extremely um, messed up stuff in this one. Uh, I don't think, again, not, not scary, but it should make, which I think is part of the joke to me is, since it's funny, people that normally wouldn't watch things that are this kind of offensive or this kind of gruesome will stick with it because it's making them laugh. They want to see and where it goes. The key isn't necessarily to, to, off, to be off-putting to people. It's to take people places they wouldn't normally go and get them laughing at things or engaging with things that they normally would be either, like, I don't like scary movies, that's too bloody, or that's too dumb, or that's too dirty. We do a lot of dirty jokes, but we try to craft them in a way where people who would normally roll their eyes at, like, a sex joke are actually laughing at it because we brought them along and, and surprised them. I'm with that. I'm completely with that. How did you come up with the ideas um, that I guess encapsulate bring on the damned? I know we have what five. We have five. We have a disco slasher, um, disco inferno. That's uh, Sydney Hirsch is our lead. She's our she's our femme fatale, and Johnny's our our Travolta type. Ian Fidances is a is our wacky first kill in it. Um, about a girl who can only orgasm through murdering people, and so she starts stalking people at a disco. Um, well, that's not exactly too far out of the realm of what's yeah. popular right now. There's a Dahmer series yeah. on uh, Netflix as we speak that's just blowing up. So, yeah, that's, uh, so that's a fresh that, that, That's our first one. And then our second one is a French New Wave uh, homage about two serial killers uh, stalking the same victim. Um, then our third short, and some of these might change. We haven't filmed them all yet. And it depends. the third short is a found footage exorcism movie. Um, then we have a uh, sci-fi noir. It's our fourth, and our fifth, which we're filming now, is Josie and the Pussycats, uh, as done by David Fincher, is the uh, yeah. is the goal. Um, and where I came up with them is just ideas I was kicking around for years. I um, years ago, some of these are just ideas I like a lot, and I thought it was like the Josie and the Pussycats thing. I've been kicking around for six or seven years. Uh, we got the music recorded years ago by Fate Fawcett, and the songs are amazing. Um, and I just love, I love. I love Hanna Barbera. I grew up, but that's how old I am. Oh, but no I love doubt. that stuff, yeah. and I love and I the idea of what if they solved really violent crimes. Um, that's for that one. The other ones I pitched. I was pitching an anthology series years ago, um, which is why I don't pitch stuff anymore. I just make it. I had to go through some fucking bullshit company, and they wanted to pitch an anthology. So I I laid out like twenty ideas for episodes, and here's all. And that's where a lot of these other ones came from. They were mixed in there. Um, and it's like put all this pitch together and then they just never felt, felt, uh, followed through with it. And like, fuck, when I have all these ideas that all this work I did for a few months. And so I'm like, well, you know, I'll take some of those ideas and run with them now in my own movie where I don't have to talk to the stupidest people in the world who are the industry people you have to go through to get to, to pitch to HBO or whatever. You have to go through some of the dumbest motherfuckers you will ever encounter that run these production companies, uh, the middlemen. Um, and that's what it was. It was just frustrating talking to some moron. Then you have to try to dumb everything down. Like, here's my pitch. And like, all right, how can I, and the notes I kept getting back were always to make it dumber or, or stupor, explain things more. And I was trying to be polite and accommodate all their notes, but then it comes down to at the end, you're left with all of their notes and they're like, this isn't good anymore. Like, I know this is, this is entirely your ideas. Yeah. Remember when I pitched ideas and you thought these were exciting, wanted to pitch them. Well, I took all your notes, and now it sucks. This is why you should probably listen to writers. You know, if you, I, I, so you know, I explain, if you knew anything, you wouldn't need to hire me. You just make your own show. 
Um, you're just Fact. an idiot. And now I, I can't stomach the idea of pitching at Disney anymore. I just won't do it. I won't pitch to anybody other than, than Lloyd. <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd. Lloyd's supportive, and he may not always take them, but like I don't have to deal with He's not going to jerk me around for like a year of like, that's great. He doesn't do that for me. This is great. This, I'm so excited about this. Like, let's run through a few. How about you try this or that? He will be excited about something or not, and he will give notes or pitch ideas, but you can just ignore them or not take them if you don't want to. He doesn't try to force them. He doesn't get personal about it. He doesn't uh, – he just, like, checks in on us. He'll pitch out a couple ideas. Sometimes I'll take ones. Other times I'll be like, not this is what we're doing, and he's totally fine with that. He's the best – other than Troma not having money, it's the, he's the best producer you're ever going to get um, in that that regard. That is why the hashtag in the top right corner of your screen, folks, is the of the utmost importance. Okay, support indie film. I was, well, it's so, crazy that you had Ben on and Reeves. It's a bunch of us are making movies right now. Um, Reeves just made Secret of Cook Island. Ben's still they're finishing Weird Deer now. Um, yeah, Amy Kuz is working on a Cannibal Muffing. She's from like the same circles. Um, I, I'm I, glad I you said that last that. name because I reached out to her. And uh, about coming on, and I was afraid I I to say I the name. I, I honestly I could have said it wrong, but she's great. Shit. Well, there was that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm no closer to getting it right than I was before, but it's all right. Uh, but yeah, support. And our friend, guys. and our friend Liam, and over in Britain just finished eating Mrs. Campbell, which is now like it's like, and we're all in the same. It's, you'll see a lot of same actors popping up in all of these. A lot of the same. Crew That's the too. whole purpose here. That's yeah. the whole purpose here. Ben was actually pushing his film uh, remission when he came on and uh that was the whole purpose of having him on just like look if if our little reach can get eyes on your products you're on your projects then i want to do my part and you know uh, hopefully it's you know doing some good um we're gonna have these you know hopefully weekly and but you know before we go i am gonna try to get a name or two from you that yeah. you might know who's working on projects so maybe we can help them push oh, amy's the person i currently know um that, that is well the the message is out to her and i'm gonna say yeah. that uh that you uh referred her so yeah. um hopefully she won't hear this and i believe i believe our sweet baby boy john bergio i think is working on something they were mentioning they're talking about something on set the other day i think he might be working on a project john bergio he's mm-hmm. the star of secret of cuck island and cuck, he just yeah. played a just played a corpse for me. He's a, he's a, he's a good boy. Well, he'll be on. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll beg him. I will beg him. So yeah, we're going to put the links in this episode bio, but uh, tell me about your funding campaign. How, how'd that go? You were on Kickstarter. Uh, Did well, you we, we, we've, we've done a bunch. Well, on Kickstarter, we met our goal because we set a really low goal. It wasn't what we needed, but we're like, you know, if you don't reach a goal. So we set a very low goal. We barely hit the very low goal. And the money went immediately. It's gone. Um, it's not about we reopening. Get, uh, we we have we can't reopen. We have a GoFundMe we've been running for like since the beginning. It's just been sitting there. We haven't pushed it in a while. Um, we're gonna push if you, it. If you go to our uh, Instagram page for Bring On the Damned or for um, my, me Brandon Brandon B underscore LOL, uh, you will the the GoFundMe is in our profile. Um, so that's still always running, and we've been. I think we just feel like we've uh, we drained all of our friends and family for that already. So we just kind of quit. Ah, we'll just move on to other ways of like getting side gigs here to, to help fund the movie. Um, so I'm out. I'm out teaching classes and hustling wherever I can to to squeeze some some more pennies. Tell, in. tell me about that. That I, I know you were doing a screenwriting class actually I, I earlier te- today. I teach, 
Yeah, I teach screenwriting. My first today was the start of a new screenwriting class. So I teach screenwriting classes. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me post about it every now and then. And how often do you do those? Um, they, each class lasts eight weeks. So basically, as soon as one ends, I start another one. Unless there's high demand for me to run a couple at a time, which I have done. I've just been so tied up with summer mm-hmm. and filming and everything like that, that I find squeezing in one class has been hard to do. So my good friend, Ben Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, who yep. directed the upcoming Curse of the Were-Deer, uh, he once told me that one of his goals is to show people that if you want to make a movie, you fucking can't. Yeah. You don't need high up connections or a shit ton of money. Maybe you need a little money. Um, like you can do it with little resources. You, you so don't what, need much money. You need people more than money. I mean, need you, you need the, the bare minimum money, like feed people a little bit of some, some food here and there and, and just be, I think the key is um, know how to manage your resources. Uh, we started small. Well, I started doing, I was doing comedy, uh, sketch comedy for so long. We did tons. We did me and my partners at the back of the day did like, probably over a hundred like little sketch videos. That's how we learned how, that's how I learned how to do stuff to make to, to do this before we made our first movie. I had done a ton of comedy videos and shorts prepping for it. And I took yes, everything that we learned. I took everything that we learned from that to do into the first movie. I got tired. I'm like, you know, this is a dead end. Comedy's a dead end. Um, nobody cares about internet videos anymore. Once YouTube had basically and like the big companies that squeeze like small creators out from making funny videos it's like, there's nowhere to go with this. And I always want to make a movie. That was the goal. I wanted to first try to make a movie like in 2000. That's like the first time I first make a movie and people would be excited for a day or two when the hard work started. That's when you lose. That's when you lose all the film school boys. I like to talk about film and never actually make a movie. Um, it, when it's time to actually roll film and put in the effort, that's where they usually bail on you. They love to talk about it. Um, but I, and so I had a couple failed projects like that and dug my head down, moved to New York did tons of comedy videos. So I found it. I built up enough resources and knew enough people. We could make our first movie fear town, which is again, we, I tried to be ambitious, but only 10 grand. And I did a little bit of a Kickstarter and a little bit of max and our credit cards. I'm still paying off. Um, but by that point I knew over a hundred people. And I was in New York doing comedy for a while. Like everybody's going to make a movie. And I tried to, to do it in a way where, where it was a big ensemble. There's like, there's like 70 characters in it. That way mm-hmm. actors only need to show up for a day. They don't need to dedicate two weeks or anything like that, which you can't do. Um, everybody shows up for one day in and out and it, it makes it easier on them. And I had me and a couple people for the crew that could be there all the time. We roughed it out and that's how we did. But we, we but again, manage your resources, know what you can do. Try you know, you should be ambitious. Like we're always trying to push, you know, it'd be as ambitious as we can be, but also realize you can't make, you know, avatar if you don't have money, you know, you, if you've got access to, we've got an old barn. Somebody's uncle has an old barn. We'll shoot something that takes place around a barn. Shoot the fewest amount of characters that you need, or or you don't need to rely on people. You know, even people that are like uh, good friends and reliable, stuff happens. They can't always dedicate twelve days to filming for you. You know, and so make sure you've got it where you need the fewest amount of people for the fewest amount of time, and then you take advantage of that. And then then you run wild with whatever you do have, though. And you'd be ambitious and crazy, but you know, within, within reason, you know, it's a few, few locations, few characters to start with as you get, do more than you can grow and get bigger. Like this is the most ambitious project I've done, but I've also made three feature films prior to this. And again, like I can't even keep track of how many internet videos we did or short comedy videos we did. 
Well, I was going to ask what advice you can give to somebody wanting to start out. You uh, you knocked that one out of the yeah. park on your own. So, uh, Brandon, I want to thank you very much for coming and taking the thank time to talk me. to me. You know, the, the pleasure is all mine. Guys, please be sure to like, subscribe, share this episode on your social feeds. Go into the weekend looking for a fight or a good scary movie. Reminder, though. Catch us on SlasherSports.com, on Twitter and TikTok at SlasherSports, on Instagram at SlasherSportsMedia, everything in sports and entertainment from college football to horror flicks. Now go forth and may you drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children. They say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding We all go a little mad sometimes. God, it knows I'm here. And having to get you, Barbara. Slasher Sports Show is very really great.